sharing wisdom and speaking truth, this is the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IPHC Leadership Cast. I'm Garrett Magby and today I am here with the CEO of Falcon Children's Home and Family Services, Joey Leggett. Joey, how's it going today? Going very well. Uh, day after election, it's going really well down this part of the country. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we wanted to talk to you today uh, just a little bit about Falcon Children's Home, you know, kind of inform um, everybody, first of all, what uh, the main mission and, and goal and, and ministry of Falcon Children's Home is, but uh, also talk to you about uh, the impact that um, Falcon's Children's Home is having uh, on the community and with individuals that you all are working with right now. Well, Falcon Children's Home has, has been in existence for 108 years now. Uh, it started way back at a camp meeting service in 1908 um, here in Falcon, North Carolina. Uh, and it's hard to imagine, but uh, here we are 108 years later, and we've estimated pretty accurately, I believe, that we've helped about 20,000 children or have come through the doors of Falcon Children's Home. I've been here nine years now, and in the last uh, eight to nine years, the morphosis, if you will, of what's actually taking place here. We've gone from just being a residential children's home to being a children's home that has a transitional living program for older teens. Uh, we merged with a mothers and babies program and an adoption agency. Uh, we started on private Christian school about six years ago. Uh, at, um, and then we uh, also received our license, began licensed in foster homes. And we've grown uh, in, in our enrollment here from when I got here nine years ago of about 15 students it's almost 100 students now here at Falcon. And in this past year, uh, for the first time in the history of Falcon Children's Home, we went outside the borders of North Carolina. We opened up a children's home in South Carolina. And as of today, after about six months of operation there, we're three-fourths full in its way. And the support of the South Carolina Conference has been amazing, and we're very excited about that. But we're impacting children in, in a different way in that we have become a campus of teenagers. Um, most of our children are 12 and over, uh, so we're dealing with teenagers. And um, just like in the early years, Falcon Children's Home was important for the younger ch children. I believe it's just as important today for these older teens and these uh, 13 and over teens because unless we can somehow help, somehow help them and show them there's a better way and show them there is hope, they may be lost forever feeling like somehow society's done them wrong and going down the wrong track of life. Uh, for example, with our private Christian school we started, on, we had 14 graduates last year, 12 were in college in this fall, and two were in the military. With our Mothers and Babies program, uh, that started from the Royal Home Ministries, which had a maternity home. It started back in early uh, 2000, late 1990 uh, era. Today we have eight mothers with eight babies over there and also five uh, maternity, uh, five girls who are, are pregnant. And those mothers are going to our school, graduating, going out and getting a job and learning how to take care of their child. In my opinion, there is no ministry that's making a bigger difference, especially in young people, uh, and I'm a little biased, I know, than what Falcon Children's Home and Family Services do. We, we, we're making a big difference in the lives of children. Absolutely. And I applaud the International Pentecost Holiness Church for supporting us in the way they do. We could not operate if it was not for the support of Bishop Beecham and, and all the leadership as well as the local member churches throughout the uh, United States and overseas. 
Well, and I tell you this, uh, you know, Falcon Children's Home, as you mentioned, you said uh, 108 years of, of service and over 20,000 uh, um, children have come through the home. Is that Did I hear that correctly? That, that's And that, all that's estimates because there weren't real accurate records kept years ago, but I, that's right. pretty close we feel like to be an accurate. Well, that's that's absolutely amazing, and it's that type of ministry, uh, you know, practical ministry of a of a, a great need, you know, the the need for um, uh, direction and for um, uh, you know a a place of living, a home, uh, you know, raising these kids or having these kids be able to come into a, an environment that uh, that feeds them spiritually and emotionally and um, and family wise. You know, that is such an important ministry that we have going on uh, that uh, is one of our um, I, you know, I, I would say uh, prides and joy of, of being able to be a part of that ministry with you guys. Um, tell me, how does how does the I, w- I don't want to say on average because I know every situation is different, but but how do uh, situations arise or what kind of happens to lead uh, children to come into the home? And, of course, now you've said that uh, there's a growing number of teenagers that are coming to the home. Um, I mean, where are these uh, these children coming from? And, and to help give the audience a better perspective of, of the type of situations that uh, Falcon Children's Home is, is helping uh, alleviate in their lives. Uh, well, 90% of the children come from usually Department of Social Services or from the state. Uh, they'll go into a situation and perhaps a child is living in an abusive situation or neglectful situation. Um, and sometimes it's just truancy. They're not made to go to school. They're not going to school, so the schools get involved. So we do get a lot of kids through um, the government programs that put children here. Um, and so, and, and I'm glad that we're able to work with, with DSS and the local state agencies. Right, right. But we also... Also, take we get children from sometimes grandparents will call us or a, a parent who is having issues with uh, uh, drugs and uh, some other substance abuse, and they will call and say, "Listen, uh, can you help us out?" We're one of the few children's homes I know of here in North Carolina, especially in South Carolina, that will take children with no payment. But that's why we feel like we get the support we do from the churches and from uh, Harvest Train, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Uh, right. Those money child and, and and clothe the child and educate the child and feed the child without being worried about the board payments. Now, we do get board payments for those children who are placed here through the uh, DSS, Department of Social Services Agencies. About 85% of our children come with Department of Social Services, 85 to 90%, but about 10% come from churches, from um, relatives, sometimes friend placements. Um, I know we just got a call about an hour before I got on this this uh, broadcast today or podcast today that said um, they want to place a two-and-a-half-year-old child here from a church uh, nearby, that uh, it's a bad family situation, but they don't want the Department of Social Services to get involved because they want to keep it within the church family until they can get their, their act together. Yeah. And really, our main mission here is is to provide a place for children who, for whatever reason, can't stay at home at this particular time in their life. Um, and of course, we see that as a divine appointment if a child comes here, um, because you know we're going to feed them, or we're going to clothe them, we're going to take care of them, and, and even with our school now, educate them. But we're also going to do the best we can to introduce them to the person who can really make the difference in their life, and that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, it's it's an amazing ministry. But most of our kids uh, come from governmental agencies, but there's also a good portion that come from uh, church recommendations, um, uh, family recommendations, and sometimes even neighbors and friends. That's wonderful. That's a, it's, it's, again, it's such a huge need and such a wonderful way to minister um, and, and help these children out. Let me ask you this. 
is there is there um, some aspect that stands out to you just off the top of your head uh, in these situations when you're having these uh, these children or teens coming into Falcon Children's Home uh, as you're trying to introduce them and, and pour into their lives, uh, introduce them to Christ and pour into their lives, um, you know, his love and his grace and his mercy and, and the plan that he has for their, their lives. Uh, something that you run into on a regular basis that um, would help other, you know, pastors or people in uh, similar ministries uh, be able to handle that situation uh, better, speaking from experience, um, you know, on your behalf or something like that. Yeah, I, a lot of times um, <clears throat> we like to say there's not a bad child. Uh, now, there's a child sometimes due to their circumstances and some of the um, outliers or the influences in their life, they may exhibit behaviors where you say, oh, that's a terrible child, or someone says, you know, that child's out of control. Uh, but I would just recommend to churches and pastors to always be careful uh, in how you handle the situations. Nine out of ten times there's something there that's underneath um, those behaviors that's causing the child to behave that way or a child to act out that way, um, you know. As a pastor, I guess, or as a church leader, um, there's a lot of abuse that goes on that's unreported. Um, there's a lot of home situations where everything may seem okay on the outside, but there may be some sort of abuse, and, and really one of the most horrific type of abuses is sexual abuse. Uh, and that that just sometimes destroys the hope in the child's life and destroys the ability of that child to cope because the people who are supposed to take care of them should not do those kind of things to them. And you can imagine what that does to their psyche. Yeah. But I would say, please, as pastors, you know, when you see signs or, or you and, and you um, are having issues, call Falcon. We'll be glad to help you as much as we can. We have counselors here. Uh, we have a Christian counseling organization that helps our kids here, and I'm sure if we could. Um, and then they're hearing their expertise would be glad to in those situations. But be aware that sometimes what may appear on the surface isn't always what's going on underneath the surface. Now, I don't mean to go out and start a witch hunt thinking there's something going on. Right. But just realize sometimes those, sometimes those telltale signs of a child and their uh, behaviors are a direct result of something that may have occurred. And, and just kind of be aware of it. But we're here to help any way we can. Or you can, or get a Christian counselor there in the community. But um, we feel like we're a, a vital arm of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Not that we're experts by any stretch of imagination, but um, we do have a good staff here, and uh, we would love to help any way we can. If they ever find they just want to run something by us or get input from us, uh, feel free to call Falcon Children's Home and ask to speak to me if they want to, or we'll relay them to one of our social workers or one of our Christian counselors that can walk them through that situation. But I want the pastors to know, and anyone in our churches, here for you. We are the children's home of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. You're not in this alone. If you're going through a situation at your church where you feel like it's above what you're able to handle at that point or it's much deeper than what you can handle, call us. We'll be, we'll be glad to help. We'll be, and if we need to help help you place a child here, don't worry about cost. We'll, we'll take care of that. We're here to serve children, and especially children of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, now, Joy, let me ask you this. Uh, um, well, I know we're running short on time here, but uh, I want to make sure that we talk about this too. We mentioned it earlier, uh, Harvest Train, which is a very integral part of, uh, of um, uh, Falcon Children's Home. Tell me about Harvest Train and kind of describe to our listeners who might not know uh, what Harvest Train is and the, the, uh, the magnificent benefit that it is um, to the children's home. Well, I'm going to be biased again, <laughs> and I may get some rebuttal on this. 
but to me, it's the, it's the best day in the church. And when I say the church, I mean the worldwide church. Uh, it is a day where we'll have over 2,000 people here just for the sole purpose of giving back to children who are in need. Um, and I can't hardly explain to you, it's almost like a Christmas feeling that it's around this campus. And I can tell you we're in the middle now of getting prepared for the Harvest Train program. Uh, but it is a special day. And, and of course, Bishop Beecham will be here as well as Bishop McGee and Bishop Thompson and Bishop Gardner and other leaders across the denomination. And... Uh, and the kids do, I wouldn't even call it just a program, I'd say it's a production. It's a musical production, drama production. Um, and in fact, this year, you wouldn't want to miss it. We've got a, and I don't want to give away too much of the program, but it's a true story of a young lady who um, won a pageant locally and went on to enter the Miss North Carolina pageant. Uh, she knew she was adopted. They told her she had to pick a charity platform this North Carolina, she chose adoption. But through her church, and she went to a, a Pentecostal Holiness Church, she found out about the royal home. So she went home and told her mother her platform was going to be adoption, not only adoption, but also a royal home in Salemburg. And her mother sat down and said, why did you choose the royal home? Did someone tell you something? She said, no. She said, well, that's where you came from. As a young girl, at a young age, your mother went to that home and gave you up for adoption, and that's how we adopted you. So, but there's a lot of turns and twists in the story. It's going to be an amazing story. And, uh, but, you know, that's a living, breathing young lady who is now a school teacher, a beauty pageant winner, whose life may not have been here if it was not for a place called the Royal Home. So it really brings it home, and that's the program that will play out. But Harvest Train, the history of Harvest Train was back in 1949. Uh, there was no government assistance whatsoever back in those days. It was totally church-supported, uh, and they were about to close the doors. They couldn't feed the children. Um, and they couldn't clothe the children. And um, Johnny Brooks, um, along with Lila Berry, um, and I think it was Daisy Jones, if I'm not mistaken, got together and said, um, we need to come up with a way to keep our doors open. And they said, Look, why don't we have one day a year where people come and bring commodities uh, and monies if they can. Of course, back in those days it was scarce yeah. uh, to keep the doors open. And they said, we'll call it the Santa Claus train. So it really wasn't called Harvest Train back then. It was called Santa Claus train. Uh -huh. They said, and when all these people, that goes in front of the campus, and when the parade ends, we'll stop at the Camino Auditorium, and the kids will do a program to say thank you to everybody. So that's how it began, and now I tell you it's the best marketing scheme that's ever been established because here we are this many years later still celebrating Harvest Train, and it's bigger than ever before. We'll have a parade line of over a mile and a half of cars, trucks, and vans bringing stuff to the children. Um, and then the women's ministries directors from the different conferences raise money and bring it to give to faculty children some that day. Uh, and then they present it, and the children do a program, and that's what the program I was just describing to you is all about, saying thank you to all those people who, who gave and give their time. Wow. That is that is wonderful. That is such a wonderful program. And it's, and it's always the last Tuesday before Thanksgiving, so this year it's on the 22nd. The 22nd. So, so Harvest Train is happening the 22nd, um, and for people to attend Harvest Train, um, uh, what do they need to know? Where can they go to uh, find out more information and that sort of thing? Well, they can look us up on our website, um, falconchildrenshome.org. Um, they can call 910-980-1065. Uh, but basically, it starts right here in this little village, a little town called Falcon, which is the birthplace of the uh, Pentecostal Holiness Church. Um, and uh, it's uh, down I-95 in eastern North Carolina. Um, and they can come just be here. The parade starts at 830. Uh, and there will be a lineup. 
uh, where we will line up all the different vans and different floats from the churches. Uh, the play will begin at 8.30. It will wind up at the J. Colworth Auditorium, uh, which is where they have the conference and the camp meetings here in North Carolina. Uh, and then the program begins at 10.30. And then when the program is over with, we will feed everyone good old Eastern North Carolina barbecue. So right. you get a free, you get a free, uh, free program, free food, and a free parade. Can't you can't beat that? You can't beat that. No, not at all. <laughs> and you said that <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving at eight thirty in the morning is when uh, when everything's going to start. Correct. Right. If they want to be in the parade, if they just want to be in the program, just try to be here by ten thirty. But I would encourage okay. anyone who's coming. Uh, it's, it's 7569 Northwest Street, Falcon, North Carolina is where we're located. Uh, but I would encourage you if you're going to come to be the program, you need to get here by 10 o'clock because the seats fill up. I mean, it's, we had standing room only the last two years for the program. Wow, that is wonderful. Well, Joy, I, I hate to say this, but we are uh, we're actually uh, running to the end of our time. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for talking with us today, and uh, and for the work that you all are doing out there. It's such a wonderful and vital ministry, um, and uh, something that the IPHC is just uh, so proud of, and and of course uh, just. Uh, such a wonderful thing to to uh, to be a part of. So, um, any any closing thoughts for uh, anyone out there that's listening to uh, our podcast today? I would just first of all I say, Garrett, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to do this podcast, and I want to say thank you to the Pentecostal Holiness Church denomination, its member institutions and churches for all you do for Falcon Children's Home. I assure you, your gifts and your support does not go to waste here. It is making a difference in the lives of teenagers that will have an eternal impact, and I just thank you for your support. Joey, thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. God bless you, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.